Welcome to the TCO Method, the only show focused on helping you massively increase your net operating income. I am Andy McQuaid. Thank you so much for joining me. I apologize. I see to say that a lot when I start this show. I don't really apologize. The last week we didn't release any episodes because I was in the mountains in the Adirondacks, not recording podcasts or much of anything else. Timing probably could have been better because our episode with Yona Weiss went live on Saturday before we left for camp. So there was that. But all things considered, things have gone pretty well. So this week, we're still going to do two episodes. This one will be a little bit late. It's going to come out on Wednesday. Tomorrow's episode will come out tomorrow, Thursday, on time. A couple of announcements, in case you didn't see it. The podcast website is live. So you can go to tcomethod.com slash podcast. You can listen to the podcast there. You can read the transcripts if you have questions or are not good at taking notes. If you want to watch a video, you can watch it on the website, on the YouTube side, or you can go watch it on YouTube directly. I'm not really super picky how you do it. I just appreciate you listening. If you like the show, please subscribe. And we'll say that again at the end of the program to remind you. I also had the pleasure to be invited to talk on the best ever real estate investing advice podcast, which was started by Joe Fairless. And he doesn't really do a lot of episodes anymore. I got to do my interview with Ash Patel. Awesome guy. Apparently likes to invest in Ohio. I would really appreciate you going and listening and leaving a review and a comment on their program. Uh, there's links uh, that are going to be up on the TCO Method website soon. Same thing if you haven't listened to the interview with Jason Ballara on the Lark Capital Know Your Why podcast. Also a very good show. Lots of awesome real estate investors uh, that go on both of those programs. Definitely worth your time to listen uh, and subscribe to those programs. They're great people and they just want to share information. Anyway, so today's program, I wanted to kind of elaborate a little bit on something from the Best Ever podcast. We talked a little bit about vertically integrated construction in one of the other episodes, which now people know that was actually stolen from that podcast uh, interview. But I wanted to talk a little bit more about supply chain and where that is and how you should be building relationships with your vendors. I know we talked a little bit about it in one of the earlier episodes, but for anybody who's new listening or anybody who wants to go a little bit more in depth, there are places that you can go to learn about who's actually doing the best job of providing stuff, right? We're talking about physical product vendors now, not services, right? I know a lot of people call service providers vendors. They're not really. A vendor is somebody who sells a physical item. A service provider provides a service. You go to a local real estate meetup, you network with local investors, you talk to people in the industry, you talk to people in the local market, they're going to tell you who's good at taking care of real estate and real estate investors and who understands what the needs are, right? That understands your business. You don't want to go 
and deal with a sales guy that doesn't know anything about your business because all he's going to try to do is sell you stuff. And it's going to be his stuff. It doesn't matter if it's the right stuff for the job. It doesn't matter if it meets your long-term goals. All they care about is selling it because they're going to get a commission check or they're going to get a bonus or they're going to get whatever. Most of the time, probably in 75 to 90% of instances, they're not looking out for your best interest as a business owner, operator, investor, whatever. They're looking out for their best interest, making their numbers so they can move on to the next sale. My biggest complaint about companies like HD Supply, Wilmar, whatever, they don't really care what you need. They just want to take the business from someone else. And they don't even understand how half the stuff they sell or more is actually used. Like you ask them a technical question about pretty much anything that they carry. Like what happens if, you know, I plug widget A into widget B and, you know, problem C happens. They're going to look at you like you just stepped out in front of traffic going 80 miles an hour. Like deer in the headlights. They have no idea. They've probably never even used most of the stuff that they're, in, that they're selling you. They don't know. And they don't ask. So it's not like they're going from customer to customer asking, hey, what do you like best? What don't you? They don't care. They don't. But if you talk to the people that are already doing what you want to do or doing what you do and you've just never had the conversation, do it. The really, really important part about building your relationships and networking and getting traction in the industry in your local market whatever that happens to be or whatever market you're investing in it's about using your connections and your network for something while you give back to them having conversations and sharing information about vendors that take good care of you know most contractors are not going to be brought up in this conversation because in case you haven't noticed Real estate investors, property managers don't like to share their subcontractors. They just don't. So it's a different type of conversation. They're not, they're, they're not going to give you the guys that are good. They're going to keep them for themselves if they're doing any kind of volume and they're busy. So what you need to do is ask the questions about the stuff you can get answers on that'll be honest. Like, who's taking care of you? Like, if you're going to a Home Depot store, what store are you using? Who are you talking to at the pro desk that actually takes care of you and knows what's going on? Like, those are important conversations to happen. Same thing with Lowe's. Same thing with Menards. And now that those stores are like 75% part-time on the sales floor, nobody there knows anything other than maybe one or two people at the pro desks, if, if you're lucky. So if you can talk to the people who are already doing business there and find out who they're using, that'll help you out immensely. Because those people are going to understand what you need how to take care of you, what your expectations are for service levels, recommend products that other guys are using, right? That, that's an important relationship to have. Box stores are not the right answer for everybody, by any means. So your local lumberyards, your 84 lumbers, your mom and pop shops, your local plumbing supply houses, your Fergusons, your local roofing supply places, whether it's Beacon or ABC or any of the companies that that those two monsters have swallowed up uh, or, you know, uh, SRS. The people at the desk there are going to be able to advise you. Like I was talking to an investor a couple weeks ago 
about roofing. And did you know that brand X of shingle takes on a 15-year non-prorated warranty if it's installed on a multifamily residence? Doesn't matter if it's commercial multifamily with 30 apartments inside or there's a duplex. As long as it's multifamily, they have a product that's positioned to double the non-prorated warranty if you install it on top of a multifamily apartment. None of the other brands do that. There's one brand, and they're not paying me, and I'm not going to advertise for them. But that's kind of an important detail. Another important detail is if you, as an investor or a property manager, install shingles on a second layer, you don't do a clean tear-off, yes, it saves you money, you have no warranty on the first layer or the second layer. Important detail to know. So, sorry, tangent. Anyway. But I wouldn't know about that extended warranty if it wasn't for a sales guy who was dialed in at the local roofing supply house. Like, if you're buying shingles from Home Depot or Lowe's, you're probably doing it wrong because you're putting your guys at risk to carry those things up to the roof on a ladder. Even if you rent a shingle shooter, you're still doing more than you should. Most of these mom and pop suppliers and the ABCs and Beacon Roofing Supplies and whoever else is out there will boom those shingles to the roof the day that you're doing the install. There's no reason for you to be putting guys on the ground carrying shingles. Number one, because liability sucks and roofing liability is even worse. But number two, you need to make sure that you're making the most of the available time to get the job done. You save hours, like literal hours of time, by just having a truck knuckle boom the shingles to the roof and having the guys on the roof unload it and stage it so they can use it. It should be a no-brainer, but I see people carrying shingles up ladders all the time. Like, do you not care about these guys' backs and knees? Like, I understand that they're maybe cheaper labor and maybe they're not the most well-educated, but come on. Same thing with any of the other products that are out there. Go to a supply house, find out who's doing the real estate investing world business, ask questions. Hey, what, is, what are they using? What's the most common thing that I'm seeing for pecs? Are they using shark bites? Are they using these elbows? Are they buying coils? Are they buying sticks? How are they plumbing these houses? Blah, 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 right? Because everybody knows copper gets stolen. If you're doing single family, small multis, scattered site stuff, copper walks. I've seen copper walk out of massive apartment complexes. I've seen entire, entire buildings with 30 plus doors inside have the gas meters ripped off and scrapped and just gas, natural gas pissing into the air. Like, they don't care, man. If they can get five bucks for it, they're going to take it. But you need to be using your network to make sure that you're making the most of your network. Like, it's, it's one thing to have 3,000, 4,000 contacts in your phone, but if you never talk to anybody, well, why bother, right? Like, I'm the last person who should be doing this, but like I have a, an email list that's like 5,000 people that I've done work with for the last 15 years that are all involved in real estate. Do you think I do a good job of emailing those people to say, hey, I have a podcast? No, I'm an idiot. I haven't done that yet. I'm on the list of things to do. I'm just, I have other things I need to do, like working and making money. 
So that's what I do. But the long and short of it is, again, with your network, you're going to get out of it what you put into it. Okay? The other thing with your network is don't be embarrassed to ask stupid questions. Like most of the time, they're not really stupid questions. The only time it's a stupid question is if you've asked the same question four different times and you're waiting for somebody to give you the answer you want. Then it's a stupid question. And you might be a stupid person. That's just reality. Like if, you, if you're fishing for the answer you want, then why are you even asking the question, number one? And number two, why ask the question at all? Like, if you already know what the answer is, or you already think you know, and you just want confirmation, like, outside, like, did your mom not hug you enough when you were a kid? Did your dad not play ball with you outside? Do you really need somebody outside your existence to, to qualify that you're doing things correctly for you? Get a life. Anyway. It's going to be a shorter episode today. Just because I just came back from vacation, I've got to do two of these episodes so I can do one on Thursday. The Thursday episode will be full length. This episode will be a little shorter. And I just want people to think about how to make their vendor network better. Right? The partnership comes later. The buy-in from the vendor will come when the volume of business comes. You're always going to need buying power to get the best relationships and to get the best deals. But that doesn't mean you need the buying power up front to get good advice, right? Start with your network of other investors doing what you do and doing what you want to do. Talk to the people who are currently where you want to be. Just like when you're picking a coach or a mentor, the people you take advice from should be qualified to give the advice. Don't take advice from people who've never done anything who've never been successful, who've never done whatever. Like, it's one thing to get a bunch of book knowledge and, and read and listen to podcasts and all that other stuff. But if they've never actually done anything, why would you take advice from them? Like, it's one thing for them to say something anecdotally, like, oh, I heard on this podcast XYZ. Maybe you should check that out. But they're not qualified to leverage in as an expert because they've never actually done anything. Like, that's my biggest issue with all these internet experts is that they're, they read a lot and most of the time they, they look for what they want to believe and not what's actually true. And then they find all these sources and they just reiterate it, but they've never put it into practice. So they don't actually know. Like, stop talking to people who don't do anything. You want to help people. You want to give them a hand up. But that doesn't mean that you take advice from someone who's not qualified to give it. Again, it's the whole red shirt going to the NFL to be an offensive line coach thing. Like you just, you don't do it. You can know a lot about something and still not be qualified to give advice on it. Why do you think they don't make MBAs the first year out of school, CEOs of companies? How do you think it works out when they go into it with no experience at all? Like it's one thing for them to start their own startup and you know, build their experience internally and build a team and do all this other stuff, great on them. But they're putting themselves in that position and they have to learn through the school of hard knocks just like anybody else. But you don't see a Fortune 500 company grabbing a front line, even from Harvard. They're not grabbing people and putting them into CEO level positions. That doesn't happen. So why would you think it would be okay 
to take advice from somebody like that for your business. It's, it's asinine. Anyway, as far as the materials you're using, as far as the vendors you're buying them from, nothing will get you where you want to be faster than asking your network. And it's the same thing when you're looking for a mentor or a coach. If you want to go faster, bring somebody into the fold who's already done it and already done all of the groundwork and dealt with all of the problems and been through the school of hard knocks. So you don't have to. And there's people out there who can help you, right? Like if you want to know things about vendors, I know a lot of vendors. I was one. I know the companies that can follow through on what they tell you and what, which ones don't and can't. I also know all of the stuff for how they structure, how they sell and ship and price and pay their people. But I can't do everything for everybody. Like your local market, your local network is probably who I go to when I'm going into a market to do a job. Like I was in Tennessee in April. I went to a couple different real estate investors meetings, made a bunch of different connections, stopped by a bunch of different supply houses, went to the 84 Lumber that's somewhere between Knoxville and Maryville. I don't remember exactly where, but they have a trust plant and a door plant and all the crazy stuff. I wanted to see it. Not just because I used to work at an 84, but or multiple different 84s, but because I wanted to see what was available in that market because that's where I want to invest. That's where I want to put down roots at some point. So I wanted to know what was there. So I went and I looked. You need to do the same thing. And it might be just a pack of assholes who don't want to help anybody and don't want to answer questions. Then you don't shop there. You find an alternate that can do it. If it's not a chain like 84 Lumber, maybe there's a local mom and pop there. Right? Talk to the other real estate investors in your network. Talk to the people at the groups. Find out who's doing a good job. Most of these investor networks have vendors locally that sponsor the group. Are they always going to be the best? No, because it's a monetary thing. And this is where being a consultant and working for the client and not for outside sources becomes important. You don't want to take advice from people who are getting paid to recommend people. You go to a real estate investors meeting. There's vendors there. Don't just take the real estate investing group's advice and let's call it endorsement that that's the right vendor for you. Most real estate investing groups aren't going to endorse scumbags that fall down on their face constantly and fail. They're just not. It's bad for their, their image. It's bad for business. There's always going to be a shyster that comes in. Every relationship you build for your business, you need to vet, you need to own it. You need to set expectations and clearly communicate how the relationship needs to work best for you. That doesn't mean you need to spend a year explaining the ins and outs of how real estate asset management works to a sales guy behind a counter at a roofing company. They don't care. But if you walk in and you say, hey, I've got a duplex or a quad, or, you know, a 200-unit apartment complex, and I need a couple roofs. What's the best shingle for me? 
depending on who it is, they should be able to go, oh, there's this brand of shingle that if you put it on a multifamily, it goes to a 15-year non-prorated warranty. No kidding. Wow, let's do that. What else do I need to know? Well, you can't put it on a second layer because you won't have any warranty from any shingle manufacturer if you put a second layer down. Oh, well, that's good to know. So I got to pay for a tear-off in a dumpster and have a day of labor to just strip a roof. Okay, that's good to know. How does that work when you need to boom shingles on a roof? How far along in the stripping process do they need to be for you to put shingles on a roof for me, Mr. Roofing Supplier? Like, these are the questions you need to be asking in a relationship you need to start. But you need to do it yourself. No matter what you hear from your network, no matter who sponsors what at your local real estate investors group, what they recommend and what they're talking about needs to fit for you and your business model. You need to understand what your standards are. You need to have a plan and a set of goals set up so you can achieve success. If you don't have goals, what the hell does success look like? How do you know when you're there? You just keep moving the bar? Or is it just, ah, it's good enough, who cares? Because I'll tell you right now, ah, it's good enough, who cares? Is what costs you more money in the long run and reduces your net operating income. The whole purpose of the TCO method, total cost of ownership. That doesn't just mean put the cheapest thing in today and put a Band-Aid on it. Because if that was the case, I wouldn't have a job. Anybody can do that. They've been doing it for 60 or more years. The goal is to make more money over time. You can't make more money over time if you don't understand or don't know what you want it to look like. What is success? How do you gauge it and measure it? If you don't have a plan, you don't have a strategy, you can't. If you keep comparing yourself to everybody else, it's all smoke and mirrors. Very rarely will you find somebody who will just open your books and show you all the bloody noses and bullcrap that they've put up with. Like, I see those bloody noses and bullcrap, and that's how I built the system I built. But I don't know a lot of companies that are just going to invite Joe Blow in off the street who's literally competing with them. And go, here's our books. This is how we operate our business. Take what you want. That's not how it goes. You can't do that. I can do that. But I also have a 14-page long contract where I basically say, hey, if I disclose any of your trade secrets or any of your confidential information or talk directly about your stuff, you can sue the crap out of me. And my insurance will probably pay for at least a couple million dollars of it. I don't know. Sorry, insurance guys. Don't sue me. Anyway. Don't cancel my insurance either. I'll be pissed. Um, yeah, anyway. You gotta do your own due diligence. You gotta build your own relationships, but you gotta start somewhere. Find out who doesn't suck and use them. Start there. If they can't do it for you because of something, maybe they don't have the right brand. Maybe they don't have the right service model. Maybe they... Like a Home Depot or a Lowe's, you pay $3,000 and you get 20 different deliveries and you basically spend $3,000 just in labor meeting trucks. And maybe that's not a good model for you. You either have to work inside that model if that's your vendor of choice, right? Maybe have it all pulled and sitting up at the pro desk and you just send a guy in at 6 a.m. when the door opens and he takes the cart and loads it, signs a piece of paper and he's gone, right? Maybe that's the solution. Maybe you use windshield time so you're not using more time on the property waiting for 20 different deliveries to show up from five or six different stores. Could be. 
Or maybe you just don't buy from Home Depot or Lowe's and you start working with mom and pop. Like you go to a lumber yard, they don't just sell lumber. They sell cabinets. They sell builder's hardware, interior doors, trim, windows, exterior doors. Like you're not shoehorned in to one vendor in this business. You don't want to go and spread the wealth around and have 22 different vendors to get a job done. But between like three and 10 total vendors is probably okay. Three to five would be better. One isn't realistic because eventually they're going to screw up and you're going to be left holding the bag with no buying power anywhere else. Like it's a balance. It's just like when you do your investing, there's a risk management profile. There is a risk management profile for your procurement supply chain. What does that look like? Do you know what it is? Do you have one? If not, I can help you set one up. You should call me. Anyway, no, seriously, you should. <laughs> I think I'm done. I'm at 25 something minutes. I'm probably not going to edit this episode very heavily. I put some new audio filters in. I'm still playing with the sound quality. Didn't like how some stuff was sounding. Took too much time for the editor to edit the episodes and cut crap out of it, other than me just rambling and having my ADHD moments. So, hopefully, this episode sounds good, and I won't have to screw around with it very much. Please, if you're enjoying anything on this show, subscribe on YouTube, hit that bell. If you like something in an episode, leave a comment. I will respond on YouTube if you leave comments on YouTube. If you are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere else, please subscribe, like, review. I don't even care if you listen to the show. Please just subscribe. It helps drive the numbers and helps eventually, hopefully, get this out to more people. I appreciate you listening. I want you to have a great rest of your day. I will be back on Thursday. Go do real estate. <laughs>